welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is day two of our Lenten journey. We're going to go through the book, The Sanctifier by Archbishop Luis Martinez. If you're watching for the first time, don't worry. You can jump in right in the middle. Plus, we are going to be live streaming Monday through Friday. And that means Saturday and Sunday are days that you can catch up. The videos are going to be very short. It's 30 minutes long, and you can easily catch up with what we're doing. All right. So that's the plan for today. And let me see. Let me pull it up here. And, you know, it just dawned on me. Perhaps we should open up with a prayer to the Holy Spirit. So let's do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All right. The one thing before we get going is... Make sure that if you want to support with what we're doing here, uh, like, subscribe, hit the bell notification, comment down below. The easiest and the cheapest way that you can help me is to just like and leave a comment. YouTube loves it when people engage in content. So if you leave a comment just saying, oh, I enjoyed the video or um, this is really good or whatever it is that you want to do. It could be related to the video, not related to the video, whatever you'd like. I would appreciate it if you leave a comment. It really helps out the channel. And leave a like, subscribe, all those things. I'd be very grateful. And share it with anyone that you think should be joining us on our Lenten journey of going through a devotional on the Holy Spirit. Now, if someone wanted to donate uh, for whatever reason, you're able to, if you want, uh, go into the description and you can buy me a cup of coffee. At least that's the name of the website. I actually don't really drink coffee, but... Uh, I have a bad habit of drinking energy drinks, though less so recently. But anyway, that's the name of the of the thing is called Buy Me a Coffee. Anyway, chapter two is called Our Delightful Guest. That's the name of the chapter. We'll begin. How wonderful is the work of the artist. By efforts both ardent and gentle, he can penetrate hard and shapeless materials with the light of his soul. The instruments he uses, though, often crude, can impart to these materials exquisite proportions and shapes. I always said that I always really admired carpenters because it's like the closest thing you're going to get to being to being divine, where you can create something out of nothing. To create ex nihilo is unique to Almighty God, but a carpenter can be a sub-creator. He takes what our Lord created, wood, and you craft it into something totally different, something new. It's pretty amazing, especially if you do the whole process of carpentry. I can do no carpentry, so whatever anybody can do, I'm impressed with. That is the way one may conceive the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, artist of souls. It is not sanctity, the supreme art. Is not sanctity, the supreme art. God has only one ideal, which in its prodigious, prodigious, like, like a prodigy is what the word is, prodigious unity, and because it is divine, encompasses all the highest forms of beauty. This ideal is Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves him more than an artist loves his ideal. That love is his being, because the Holy Spirit is nothing but love, the personal love of the Father and of the Word. 
With divine enthusiasm, he comes to the soul. The soul, breath of the Most High, spiritual light that can merge with uncreated light, exquisite essence that can be transformed into Jesus, reproducing the eternal ideal. Now, one thing to note here is we says the Holy Spirit is nothing but love, the personal love of the Father and of the Word. Now, this is referring, well, to many things, but most obviously this is the creed. Uh, or the Holy Spirit proceeds forth from the Father and the Son, the Filioque. And so St. Augustine and many people, and he, Father Luis or Bishop Luis will talk about this later on. Uh, St. Augustine gave an analogy of saying that the Father loves the Son because the Son is the only begotten of the Father. But by the love between the Father and the Son, the Son reciprocating his love to the Father, there was a spiration, a breathing out of that love, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, this, of course, is happening in eternity. So it's not like this is something that's happening one time and then or happening happen in time later on. The Holy Spirit is God. He is not a product of God. He is eternally spirated from the love of the Father and the Son. So he is love is basically what he's getting at. And that comes from uh, St. Augustine's analogy. That which the human artist dreams of without ever being able to attain, the divine artist accomplishes because he is perfect and infinite. His action is not exterior nor intermittent, but intimate and constant. He enters into the depths of our souls, penetrates the innermost recesses, and takes up his permanent dwelling there to produce later on his magnificent work. To the artist of soul, sanctification and possession are the same act. For sanctification is the work of love, and love is possession. The very lowest degree of sanctity demands that the Holy Spirit dwell in our souls, possesses them, while supreme sanctity is a supreme possession that the Spirit attained in the soul, the full and perfect possession of love. Therefore, the first relationship that the Holy Spirit has with souls is that of being the delightful guest. Dolce's hospes anime, as the church calls him, in the inspired prose of the Mass of Pentecost. Without doubt, the entire Blessed Trinity dwells within the soul living the life of grace, as it is to dwell eternally within the soul living the life of glory, which is the full and joyous expansion of the life of grace. Thus, Jesus taught us on the night before his death that night of intimate secrets and sweet effusions, effusions. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our abode with him. Fortunately, this consoling doctrine is familiar to the faithful of our times, but attention should be given to the fact that the scriptures attribute in a special manner this indwelling to the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple things that could be said here. One thing is, notice the use of pronouns here, or, of yeah, pronouns here. If anyone loves me, that's Christ, anyone loves Jesus, he, that means you or myself, he will keep my word, the word of Christ, and my father will love him. So the father will love him, you meaning you and I. And we, the father and the son, will come to him and make our abode with him. So notice that it is in keeping the commandments of God. It is following what Christ says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
that we will receive love from the Father and the Holy Trinity will reside in us. So the question is, whenever people ask, do you love? Do you love me? Do you love Christ? Do you love God? The question is, do you keep the commandments of God? And do you keep them out of charity? Do you keep them because you are afraid? Or do you keep them because you believe that it is what's best for us? And it is what is most pleasing to God. If you do it because you want to please God, well, then you have a greater love being reciprocated from God. Versus when you act just out of fear, it is sufficient to start off in the spiritual life. But it is not enough to take us to the height of the spiritual life. Now he goes on and says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Without this dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, we cannot become Christ. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Grace and charity, which are the life of our souls, have relationship with the Spirit who dwells in us because the charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Even the resurrection of the flesh is a consequence of this indwelling of the Holy Spirit who converts our bodies into his temple. If the spirit of him who raises, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also bring to life your mortal bodies because of his spirit who dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit does not come to us in a transitory manner. Infinite love is not a passing visitor who pays us a call and then goes away. He establishes in us his permanent dwelling and lives in intimate union with our souls as their eternal guest. Jesus promised this to us on the last night of his mortal life. Quote, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, ad- another advocate to dwell with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you shall know him because he will dwell with you and be in you, end quote. All right, this is great. This is very beautiful. And this is a recognition that the Holy Spirit, so Augustine breaks down history into three parts. It's kind of a theology of history. And the period of the Old Testament was considered the error of the Father. The period of the New Testament was considered the era of the Son. The post-New Testament period, the current time that we live in, would be the the era of the Holy Ghost. That's something to keep in mind, because it is by Christ dying and resurrection that the Advocate is sent to us, who can have his abide in us, his dwelling within us. And this is kind of a mystery that people say, okay, well, what does that actually mean? What does that break that down practically? And that's actually what we'll be getting into more throughout the book. Undoubtedly, as we have already said, this permanent and intimate dwelling in our souls, which is attributed by appropriation, appropriation being um, assigning different tasks to the different persons of the Trinity, because, okay, to get into just a little bit of Trinitarian theology, whatever can be said of one person of the Trinity can rightfully be said of all the persons of the Trinity. So whenever someone says that this the, the Father is the creator, well, that's true because we appropriate that action to the Father. 
but it's also true the Son creates and the Holy Ghost creates. We just appropriate that task to the Father to kind of help our minds, try to delineate things, make distinctions. But the only true distinction between the Trinity is relational. So the Father is the Father because he begets the Son. The Son is a Son because he's the only begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost because he is a spiration, a breathing out of the love between the Father and the Son. Other than that, all their actions are done together. They act as one. And that's important to keep in mind. So that's a, uh, some Trinitarian theology, but that's kind of an, a simplified version of it. It could be much more could be said. And if that made sense, let me know. If it did not make sense, then uh, leave a comment. Maybe we can get into it whenever we get done the chapter. We'll get into comments when we finish. Undoubtedly, as we have already said, this permanent and intimate dwelling in our souls, which is attributed by appropriation to the Holy Spirit, pertains to all the divine persons. But the appropriation is made by the scriptures, by Jesus Christ himself. So we know that it is perfectly founded and admirable efficacious, or admirably efficacious for revealing the Blessed Trinity to us. And why is this indwelling in souls attributed to the Holy Spirit? Because it is a work of love. God is in our souls in a most particular manner. Because he loves us. What delight in the thought. It is not because of the, ex- the exigencies of his immensity, nor only because our wretchedness demands it that God establishes dwelling in our souls. Love which attracts, allures, and makes one overcome all difficulties, makes the God of heaven who is in love with souls come down to them and unite himself to them in an intimate and permanent manner. This is love, union or desire of union. And as the Holy Spirit is the infinite love of God, to him is appropriated this happy name, the soul's delightful guest. Now, that's something interesting to note before we go further, is to think about the Holy Spirit as our soul's delightful guest. And now we kind of lost this sense of, hospitality in the 21st century. It's still present in a lot of cultures. I know their Southern hospitality is very common. I believe people talk about Midwestern hospitality as well. Not so much the East and West Coast, but those kind of things still exist in our minds, right? And so when we have a guest, how do we treat a guest? Well, you try to roll up the red carpet for them, right? You get them a drink, prop their feet up, uh, show them around the house, You treat them, you tidy up the house too. You clean up, you make sure everything is hunky-dory, make sure nothing is out of spot. Don't want to present to them a disordered house. So too with our souls, with with ourselves. If the Holy Ghost is our delightful guest, how should we prepare the house in which he is staying? The house of our soul. Well, we should give him the utmost glory, the utmost cleanliness, the utmost hospitality. So let's think about that. The scriptures give us a foundation for exploring this mystery of love. We have already seen St. Paul establish a close bond between the Holy Spirit and charity. And St. John, the master of love, completes in a wonderful way the teaching of St. Paul. In his first letter, the beloved disciple explains the intimate relation that exists between the Holy Spirit and charity. This virtue is the image of God because God is love. And for this reason, charity accomplishes the prodigy that he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 
So he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. But the unmistakable sign of the mutual and sweet possession is that we have received the Holy Spirit. In this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. The first gift of love is love itself, and all the other gifts emanate from this supreme gift as from their source. Therefore, the gift of the love of God is the Holy Spirit, loving us with the love of friendship, giving us his spirit is for God one and the same thing. And through his gift, he gives us all the gifts of munificence. Through the gift, which he, which is the Holy Spirit, are distributed many gifts proper to the members of Christ, says St. Augustine. But of all the gifts that God gives us through his gift, the most excellent and precious, the created gift that cannot be separated from the uncreated is charity, the image of the Holy Spirit. So think about that. The Holy Spirit being love itself and his greatest gift is giving us charity. Because by giving us charity, he is giving us himself. Because giving us charity, uh, Bishop Martinez says, is the image of the Holy Spirit. So if he's given the visage of the Holy Ghost can be imparted onto you, that can only be done by I'm trying to think of the right word. It can only be done by us conforming ourselves to the virtue of charity, to act in a charitable way, to act in love, to will the good of others. And that's not simply this niceness, a, a sense of being kind, a sense of being nice. Those things can be aspects of it. And one shouldn't say we should avoid being nice and avoid being kind. But the primary thing should be charity, the willing of the good of the other. That should be primary. The love of friendship is mutual. God loves us through the Holy Spirit so that we may correspond to that infinite love with a love created, to be sure, but also supernatural and divine. When giving himself to us, the Holy Spirit pours into our souls the likeness of his self, which is charity. This can become so perfect that it can be said that God and we form one same love, one same spirit as St. Paul teaches. He who cleaves to the Lord is one spirit with him. There is then a very close union between the Holy Spirit and charity. The Holy Spirit does not give himself to us without pouring charity into our hearts, nor can there be the love of charity in us without the Holy Spirit's coming to us by the very act of loving Consequently, the basic reason why God dwells in us, why he remains in us, and why and we in him is love. Love of God that descends to the depths of our souls, our love which, is, which by its irresistible need attracts the God of heaven and captivates him in the bonds of charity. These are two loves that seek each other, find each other, and fuse together in a divine unity. On the part of God, is, it is the Holy Spirit who gives himself to us. And on our part, it is charity, the image of the Holy Spirit, that cannot be separated from the divine original. Therefore, the inspired expression of the church, delightful guest of the soul, encloses a mystery of love. Now, this is 
rather profound, especially when we think about this part right here. On the part of God, it is the Holy Spirit who gives himself to us. And on our part, it is charity, the image of the Holy Spirit that cannot be separated from the divine original. Why is that particularly pro- profound? Because it, we see in scripture, it says, we can do all things to Christ who strengthens me, right? And another passage, it says that without God, we can do nothing. So it shows us we cannot even love God. We cannot even act in a charitable manner were it not for the Holy Spirit acting in us first. It is his grace that is that is primary. The grace comes first. He gives us the grace to love him. So he loves us. And then he provides us with the grace to love him. It'd be kind of like if you had a child and you were selling him, I don't know, a chocolate bar. You're like, hey, kid, I will sell you the chocolate bar for $5. And then you hand the kid the $5 and let, so he could purchase the candy bar. It's almost in a, in, a, in a similar way like that. God is offering us his love. He's loving us. But then he gives us the grace to love him back because we're incapable of loving him without him first providing us that grace. It's really interesting. Undoubtedly, knowledge also makes God dwell in us as in his temple, though not knowledge as such, even of the supernatural order, but only that knowledge called wisdom which, as it were, experienced and which proceeds from love and produces love. The Son, says St. Thomas Aquinas, is the word, not any sort of word, the one who breathes forth love. Thus, too, St. Augustine says that the Son is sent when he is known and perceived by someone. But the perception signifies experimental knowledge, and this is properly called wisdom. Some profound considerations result from this doctrine revealing to us the important part played by the Holy Spirit in the spiritual life. The divine gift that belongs to the understanding makes us resemble the Word of God, who is wisdom engendered by the understanding of the Father. The gift that pertains to the will makes us resemble the Holy Spirit, who is infinite love. Now on earth, the most perfect gift is charity. Consequently, our assimilation with the Holy Spirit is more perfect than our assimilation with the Word of God. But from charity, by which the gifts of the Holy Spirit are ordered in their progress and development, springs that loving wisdom, which, according to St. Thomas, accomplishes our resemblance to the Word of God, our transformation into Christ, which is a work of light and consummates holiness on earth. Now, this part is interesting because this is something that I never considered before, something that I never even would begin to think of. That to become like the Holy Ghost is easier and is more perfect than us becoming like Christ. That's interesting to me. Now, he'll go on and explain this more later on. But I find this something that is um, unique, at least to me. I had never heard anything like this. But there's a sense in which it makes sense, right? If the Holy Spirit, the image of the Holy Spirit is charity, to conform ourselves to charity, to make us, make us love, to make us love God and love neighbor and love ourselves, seems to be more consistent within itself than 
than conforming ourselves to the divine logos, to the word of God. An interesting thought, I don't know, something worth exploring further later on. In the supernatural order, love leads to light. The Holy Spirit leads us to the word, and through the word we go to the Father, in whom all life is completed and all movement is converted to rest. And in him, every creature finds its perfection and its happiness, because all things are completed when they return to their principle. The development of these ideas reveal to us the economy of the work of sanctification. In this chapter, however, it is sufficient for our purpose to establish upon a firm foundation this consoling doctrine, that the Holy Spirit is, in a unique sense, the soul's delightful guest. I love the way he ends these chapters. That is awesome. He says the way he ends it with a recap telling us what he's going to do next. So he's saying he's going to develop these ideas and explain the economy of the work of sanctification. The economy meaning the the house, the work, the work. The word economy, economia, means ordering of the house. And so when he says the economy of the work of sanctification, it's saying how is it that the work of sanctification happens? What is the means and the processes by which we are self-sanctified? Then he says, but in this chapter, what we were the attempt, what we were trying to do is to say the Holy Spirit is the soul's delightful guest in a unique sense. That's the point of that chapter. So hopefully that was clear and that you got something from that. But that's the book. Sanctifier, we're going to make comments. We're going to go through questions, comments, concerns, soapbox and negativities, positivities, anything in between. But before we do, it's a reminder to like, subscribe, hit the bell notification, and comment and share. Five things. One, two, three, four, five. If you would like it and comment on it, those two things are hugely helpful because it gets engagement in YouTube likes engagement and they will recommend the video to other people if the video has a lot of engagement and then of course sharing it is the easiest way that this video gets to other people subscribing and hitting the bell notification just so you can keep up to date with us so you get notified whenever i put out a video now and if for some reason you decided you wanted to financially support in the link in the description below there's a link where you can donate if you would so feel inclined but don't feel any pressure I will make these videos whether I get zero donations or a million dollars donations. So these videos will come to you no matter what. Okay. Nick says, much better. Good audio and video. Looks more inviting and warm. Praise be to God. Good. I'm glad. I set up an actual camera. Got a different mic set up. Plugged directly into the computer. And I'm not using my phone. So my phone's here. And it's hopefully it sounds better and looks better. Tammy says, missed chapter one, thankful I can easily catch up and thankful for something to look forward to during the week on my lunch hour. Praise be to God, Tammy. Praise be to God. I'm glad that you'll be joining us. And don't worry, you can catch up on the weekends. Friday, Saturday, or Saturday and Sundays will be no videos. And so you should be able to catch up on those days. And they're only 30 minutes long. So if you watch them at two times speed, you can get it done in 15 minutes. Plus, usually it's only about 20 minutes. The last 10 minutes are just comments. And you can skip that if you really would feel so inclined. Victor says, we'll listen later at work. Thank you very much, Victor. And I'm going to try to upload these to the other platforms. The problem with streaming directly to YouTube is I have to wait for it to process before I can download it and publish it to other places. I also need to look into if there's a free way that I can multi-stream. The problem is multi-streaming is a little bit difficult, and the, the services that do it cost a monthly fee. It's usually like $20 a month, something like that. So that's why I'm not going to multi-stream to Facebook, Twitter, and all those things. YouTube is, seems like the best option. 
but maybe one day I'll, I'll do that or find a free way of doing it. Not a hundred percent sure how, how to get that done. Uh, Nick says great explanation on the Trinity. Praise be to God. Glad to hear it. That might be another series worth doing is like a theology degree. I think I talked about this in, in the past doing like a theology degree series where we go through um, dogmatics, Christology, Trinitarian theology, and so on and so forth. It might be pretty boring. Maybe some people just not enjoy that at all. But it is certainly something that I've thought about in the past, like creating a, a degree plan where you can get a, a college-level education and for free. Now, it wouldn't really be a college-level education because I only have a bachelor's degree. So you really need somebody with a master's or higher to be able to give you anything that would be equivalent to an accredited university. But I can at least give you the content that I learned in school. So there you go. And Nick says, I wouldn't multi-stream, just post on the other platforms later. Yeah, that's the easiest thing to do, but it would be uh, probably like a day off. Every single one would be a day off to be able to do that, which should be fine. It just means that it would, we'll finish on different days, but I'll think of something. I'll think of something. Maybe I can record locally and upload it after. I'm also going to upload these as just audio on our on my podcast. Um, so I'm gonna try to do that as well, but I just got to figure out the same problem is trying to get the strip, the audio and separate it, put it up, but I'll get that done. I'll figure out a way to do it. All right. Let's see. That's 30 minutes. So don't want to take any more of y'all's time. So we'll close out with an Ave. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. 